Hello and welcome back to another episode of Nick Tiffany's Movie Reviews in the podcast form. Today we bring you Marvel's latest, the third in the trilogy of the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, directed and written by James Gunn, satisfying his possibly last film with Marvel before he heads over to DC. Now he's already at DC, but before he really takes over his uh, co-chair duties over at DC Studios. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 picks up after the Guardians Christmas or their holiday special uh, that released on Disney Plus uh, late last year. You know, among the Disney Plus releases they've done, I mean, it was fine. It was fun. Kind of plays into the whole, like, you know, we're going to bring Kevin Bacon because Peter loves Kevin Bacon. You know, we got to get him and bring him to him to cheer him up and... You know, Peter's really just kind of reeling after the loss of Gamora. You know, not necessarily that she's gone forever because after the events of Avengers Endgame, she's brought back, but she doesn't remember anybody. She doesn't remember the Guardians. She doesn't remember her time with Peter. Um, And so he's kind of just dove into a deep depression because of this. They've been repopulating and kind of re uh, retinkering the planet of nowhere, just kind of where the guardians are based now. So we pick up Peter's kind of in shambles. Rocket is clearly kind of reliving some of his, uh, his past trauma and he gets injured pretty early on in the movie, which kind of sets up what the whole film is about. They've kind of got to go and, figure out where Rocket came from so that they're able to find the right codes to help him since he was a genetically mutated and uh, tortured raccoon, uh, for lack of a better word, um, you know, with cybernetic enhancements. But, uh, but, you know, because of this, it's clear he came from someone and some maker, and the Guardians are going to have to find that maker in order to have a chance to save Rocket. So the film really does revolve around Rocket and his impact in the group and the idea of, you know, this Guardian's family looking out for one another, even if times aren't quite like what they remembered, uh, really just for Gamora. But, you know, everyone feels her absence in the sense of, you know, the the joy she used to bring or the relationships they had. But, we you know, we still have Karen Gillan, who plays Nebula, You've got Dave Bautista coming back as Drax, uh, Palm Clementif playing uh, Mantis. You've got Sean Gunn, James's brother, reprising his role as Kraglin. You've even got Maria Baklova, uh, Bakalova, who uh, famously <laughs> came from Borat too. She's going to play Cosmo, the uh, the Russian dog. And so most of our, most everybody's back for this film. Um, Maybe you can hear it in my voice. I, you know, I liked this movie. It was fine. A lot of people, and maybe this is on me because I read into too many early reviews and early reactions. Um, A lot of people are like, you know, it's the perfect cap to the Guardians trilogy. It's the perfect send off for these characters. Um, You know, the last time we'll probably see all these characters again and you know, before maybe they go on to do their own things or maybe they're not guardians anymore at all or whatever it may be. And then, you know, there's a lot of people who are also like, Hey, this is by far and away the, the goriest, bloodiest Marvel movie. It's going to have the MCU movie. 
and you know there's some really tough animal torture that uh, that kind of goes on and so they're like you know it's definitely the darkest kind of thing Marvel and the MCU have done as well and in my head I was like okay wow you know I I'm I'm someone who really enjoyed the first Guardians movie especially when it came out it was super different the team was really enjoyable um you know for all their oddities and quirks it hadn't you know by the first two movies nothing seemed insufferable um for lack of my better word I should say um but I don't know by this third Guardians film some of their shtick whether it's the constant jokes um you know whether it's Drax and you know the fact that he can't take anything seriously and doesn't understand metaphors and similes or anything you know there's there's bits that we've had before which were kind of just rehashing I guess and it's like no 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 we know we know Drax is super literal we know you know he's going to say something goofy and then you've got moments where there's real genuine emotion happening and there's a really rousing speech or there's something that's kind of touching and digging into the core of some of these characters' hearts and their minds. And before you really get to sit with any of that emotion or have some thoughtful response, it's kind of underscored by another joke. And quickly that moment evaporates and we move right along into the rest of the plot. And I don't know, I you know, for a, a series and for a, a trilogy and a group of people, the director namely, who talk about this film just always being about family and love and this is a trilogy all about great emotion and empathy and all these things you do get some of that from these movies um guardians 2 i think for me is the standout i'm probably two one three in terms of my personal enjoyment but what i think worked so well for the second film is it was far less of an action film than it was a focus both on star lord and his own relationship with his father. You've got Nebula and Gamora kind of figuring their own sisterhood and rivalry out uh, based on what Thanos had kind of pitted them against each other. You've also got Drax and Mantis really sharing some special moments. Um, and I don't know, this time around, the, the Drax and Mantis stuff, some of it was like oddly mean. Like Mantis is always falling or being thrown around and like, oddly horrific ways in the movie like everyone else lands maybe not comfortably but mantis you know she'll land on her neck before she falls or you know she'll land head first and tumble over and everyone else kind of gets a softer landing maybe on their butt or their back um you know drax obviously isn't always i don't even know how to put this like i know he's not serious i know he also doesn't understand a lot of um I don't know the difference between what's a joke and what's not the subtlety between like, Oh, this child passed me a ball. And instead of passing it back, I'm going to hurl it into the kid's face. Um, just we like, I like Drax has just a few weird moments where I'm like, you might've killed that guy. Like and you're laughing. And I, you know, they, this movie can't make heads or tails of whether it wants to like really embrace the love and embrace the fact that, Hey, we need to lead with empathy. We need to lead with kindness because that's what guardians are. But yo, we're going to go kill a bunch of these people real quick or we're really just not going to care about what happens to these people in the wake of this destruction. Um, so the balance of some of that I kind of felt was odd in the movie. Um, for all the touching moments, there's an equal number of jarring ones where you're like, what? 
this feels like it defeats the purpose of the message you're trying to send. But, um, I, you know, I, I really enjoyed uh, Chukuri Ajui, uh, or Wuji, who uh, he plays the high evolutionary, who's this being who feels the need to improve upon any kind of species in the galaxy to create the best version of it, which includes torturing animals and experimenting on them and enhancing them cybernetically and just putting them through grueling, horrible, transformative processes. Um, and, you know, we get a lot of flashbacks to Rocket's story. Rocket's kind of unconscious, out of out of wits or out of sorts, and, you know, we kind of see glimpses into baby Rocket's life, some of the friends he had there uh, while he was captured and experimented on, how he grew, um, you know, his intelligence, uh, namely, um, and how that really impressed the high evolutionary, kind of keeping with what we know about Rocket and being quite the, the engineer among many things. Um, but, you know, and, and maybe again, maybe it's that I got really built up in my head that, oh, this is going to be some effed up stuff and we're going to see some horrible animal cruelty and not that there weren't a couple moments that were like, oh, that's not great. That's, you don't want to watch that. I don't know. I Maybe I'm like, I feel like everyone's just kind of talking out of their ass a little bit because I was like that. <laughs> I don't want to say like that wasn't, that wasn't that bad. You know, I'm like the animal hardly winced. No, it's, it's nothing. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying anything like that. But uh, for what I heard going into it and coming out of it, I was like, oh, like that. That was nothing. I guess here I was thinking, wow, Marvel's really going to double down. James Gunn's going to go all in and we're going to get a really dark take on this film. And, like People are going to die. You know, you're going to see your heroes make sacrifices, all this kind of stuff. And it's like, eh, by and large, not really. Um, and, you know, a lot of people talk about the, the superhero fatigue right now. You know, this Guardians third film has kind of opened underneath the, the second film. Um, not by a ton, but you know, for the, the kickoff summer film, it's not doing crazy numbers like you usually would expect or like you would expect Marvel's first summer blockbuster. Um, so I don't know. I I laughed here and there. I think, again, some of the Guardians stick like, God, the needle drops. And I don't even know if you can call that or call what happens in this movie needle drops. Um because there's so many, like, I know the pop culture songs are part of the Guardian shtick, you know, from the very beginning of Star-Lord dancing around to come and get your love while he's playing around in a cave um, to the dance battle to save the universe. Um, there have been some really well-placed songs in the last couple Guardians films. And then, you know, in the Christmas special, they're like, what if we made our own original music? And whatever, you know, it's... I don't want to call it an excuse for everyone just to get together and paid and have a good time. But I'm like, you know, the Guardian special really didn't do a ton for me, at least. I mean, it was fine. It was passable. Um, it's just something to tide you over. Just scraps from Disney um, while they invest their money in making a billion more Star Wars and Marvel shows. Um, and just Pixar reboots and sequels and Disney live actions. And it's just... Disney's, I feel like, falling apart internally over there, and they're going to have to... They, they posted a huge, huge $4 million, or a $4 million person 
subscriber loss for Disney Plus already um, for this year. And so it's clearly things are not going, you, you, they just can't print money anymore. They're not able to just phone it in or just get by with making something that's enjoyable, but maybe it's just not as deep or maybe it doesn't go as deep as you would like, whether it's just fake outs with characters and, and you know, I'm like, this film, so I, you know, people will tell you I'm probably the last person to ask about James Gunn. I'm not saying I detest the dude as a filmmaker or anything. Obviously, I have my own opinions about him taking over DC, having his Superman film and what that looks like compared to what we got rid of with Henry Cavill and just his willingness to move on from everything that, you know, has sloppily been built by Warner Brothers in the DC world. But, uh, but you know, James Gunn, he's, you know, we're going to have Crypto the Super Dog, which is, oh, it's so glad because, you know, the Cosmo dog in this movie was so fun. She was so great. She was fine. Uh, you know, the dog was enjoyable. And I see people talking about this online where they're like, all right, James Gunn, can you make a movie without animals? You know, this cute, ugly, oh, it's just so cute and fuzzy and fun. And, you know, like we really loved the movie because it was just, yeah, it was just so enjoyable. The animal was so cute. Totally. But I'm like, I need some depth for some of these characters. I feel like for what should be a conclusion for the Guardians, we really, in a lot of ways, didn't get the, quote, closure that I thought we would or that people have been saying we're getting. Um, and it really didn't even feel like a conclusion to the Guardians story. Anybody who's here saying, you know, it's the perfect tail end, the, the final chapter to this story for the Guardians, and who knows where they'll go from here. I just think all of that's kind of a crock of crap. Um, I don't know. I don't mean to be sour and dismissive of this movie, but I don't know. A lot of it just didn't play as well a third time around for me as it did maybe the second and the first time. Um, I definitely enjoy these characters. I would love to see them in more stuff. I'm sure that we will. Um, you know, Will Poulter has more than a few pretty comical moments as Adam Warlock, whose character is taken in a very different direction than maybe what many who understand who he is from the comics are expecting. Um, and, you know, kind of feels largely wasted in this film, but I digress. Uh, you know, you've got Nathan Fillion, you've got all the usual, you know, you've got Jennifer Holland, James Gunn's wife, who's in the movie, of course. Um, you know, that's kind of the, it's kind of the James Gunn thing is, you know, you put all your friends, your brother, your family, everybody in the movie. Um, everybody has a great time. And while it did look like they had a good time and while some of it was funny in the film, kind of reminded me of the last Jedi where you're like, all right, we're going to have random little side casino mission here. And we're going to have a fun couple little cameos and, you know, you're like, okay, cool. Wait, Nathan Fillion's here. Oh, he's kind of funny. This is, this is kind of fun, I guess, you know? And you're like, wow, this has kind of gone on for a while. And I really would just love to spend some more time with our actual guardians. If this is really the last time we're going to be seeing them. Um, and so I don't know. I, and people talk about that one online all the time. They're like, well, you know what? Quentin Tarantino, always uses Leonardo DiCaprio now or all these different people, Samuel L. Jackson, all these people in his movies. They're like Martin Scorsese used Robert De Niro in a ton of movies. They're like directors pick and work with a lot of the same people that they're comfortable with. And I'm like, I get that. I totally get that. And I get 
you know, obviously you have friends and family who work in the industry. Totally. But the notion that all these people are comparing James Gunn's wife and brother, uh, many even Nathan Fillion, who I love, to Scorsese and De Niro and DiCaprio and Tarantino. I'm like, I get they're all directors and actors, sure. But the pedigree of which I'm the, I mean, there's cinema royalty where you're like, oh, we're getting a DiCaprio Scorsese movie. Like, oh my God, what did we do to deserve this? There's that. And then there's the, hey, let me just put my family in the movie. Whether we're saving some bucks or we're just going to make a fun Adam Sandler style time film. I don't know. That's how it plays to me. But I'm sure you're going to go see Guardians regardless. It's probably the biggest thing that's still out here a second weekend. So whether you see it now or wait for Disney Plus, I'm sure we're going to see them again. Thanks again, guys, for listening. We'll see you next time.